Hello, and welcome to Pastor to Pastor, part of the Agora Network Ministries radio program, Hope for the Agora, where we seek to bring hope and healing to the church dealing with the stigma of mental health. My name is Alan Kleindedieters, and I will be your host for these programs, which air the last Friday of every month on Praise FM, Cape Breton. My prayer for the Pastor to Pastor shows is to bring encouragement and hope grace, some coaching, guidance to pastors and church leaders as they navigate the stresses of ministry and their own mental wellness. We'll be bringing on guest voices as we will be this evening with our first guest. Um, And we hope to uh, cover topics like burnout, uh, self-care, trauma and loss, ministering with a mental health disorder, spiritual direction, and a whole lot more that are all related to ministry. On this show, as with all of Agora's programs, we will speak openly and honestly about mental health difficulties. I'm thankful to have Dr. Danjima Gibson as my guest this evening. He is an associate pastor of pastoral care at Calvin Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's also in private practice as a psychotherapist in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So prior to joining Calvin Seminary, he was the senior pastor of a church in Chicago for 16 years. So he kind of knows both sides of things. So thankful to have you on board. You and I first met um, when I took a course with you officially this summer which was great uh, trauma Mm -hmm. or pastoral care, trauma and mental health in a COVID-shaped world. It was very apropos for the time. Thanks for coming on and welcome. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here, Alan. Well, Dr. Gibson, we'll just kind of get right into it. Um, And I know that you've had a wide context of experiences when it comes to pastoral ministry. And also, as a psychotherapist, you understand perhaps more than the average pastor the bigger picture of ministry and its uh, effect on a person's mental health. Uh, as a pastor, too, I've experienced trauma in my in my own ministry as well. And you do research in the area of emotional and psychological trauma. So, what are your concerns, or better still? What are you discovering based on what you've seen regarding the mental well-being of pastors today? Thank you. For, that's a great question. Um, you know, Alan, we've talked before, um, and I'm sure you've heard of, you know, the whole thing of the stigma of mental and emotional health in the church. Um, I think that's been discussed. It's being discussed more. We know there is a problem when it comes to mental and the, stig- the stigma, rather, of, of mental and emotional health. I've seen this across cultures within the church. But when you think about a stigma, the reason a stigma can exist is because there is a lack of education about whatever is being stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And one of my concerns, a deep concern that I have when it comes to clergy persons who are serving is that if a stigma exists and there is a lack of education, then that means that mental and emotional ailments are being either misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. Oh, right. And 
yes, we can see that in the church among parishioners, but I'm afraid that pastors are experiencing things. Uh, they're on the verge of various breakdowns. They are experiencing chronic depression. Um, there could be a, 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 a host of um, mental and emotional diagnosis that um, they are missing. And when you misname these items, uh, the problem only gets worse. Mm. And if we think about it from a faith perspective or within the church, what I have often found is that trauma or PTSD or depression issues uh, with uh, if, if you may have uh, you may have uh, grapple with bipolar or anything along those lines, they will be misnamed in the church as character flaws. Oh, that's huge. <laughs> That's or true. They will be, they'll be misunderstood as um, somehow someone is failing in their faith. Right. So I think it's important while we talk about stigmas or the stigma around mental health, it's not just the church, it's in communities, families, societies. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about this stigma in the church, you have to press that question further. Well, how does a stigma exist? It, it exists because there is miseducation or no education. Mm. So that means there's a lot that's being undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. Right. Okay. So then how does that, so a pastor is struggling in a church. Well, many, if not most, if not all churches have some level of stigma. And as you say, it plays out, and I've seen it over and over again, it plays out that if you have this um, mental health struggle, whatever it is, whether it's been formally diagnosed or not, or you've been sharing in a small group or with a few people that, that you're really having a hard time, then they do look at it as, well, you're, you know, what's wrong with your faith, etc. So that is the stigma. Mm -hmm. So how does a, how does a pastor who may be struggling um, work with that in their church. You know, this is going to sound controversial, uh, controversial, but I, I tell my students, I believe every pastor needs a community away from the church. There has to be some things about a pastor's life and about their family that the church is not involved with. And there are a couple of reasons why. Sometimes when I mention this to students in the classroom, the first thing they think of is, well, accountability, accountability. I get it, but I'm really not talking about accountability. Accountability is fine. However, churches by and large tend to idealize the pastor. So in many instances, a faith community does not have the mental or emotional capacity to know, I mean, they know their pastor is human, but deep down inside, they think this person is standing next to Jesus 24-7. <laughs> right. And they can't, they can't tolerate the idea of a broken pastor, of a pastor uh, that is suffering mentally and emotionally. And so I think the first step, um, and you and I have talked about this in the past before, every church should have funds allocated for a pastor to be involved in their own uh, self-care or their self-work. 
where the church is financing the pastor's ability to speak with a therapist, to be in their own work. Um, that could be whether that's seeing a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, that could be a spiritual advisor. Uh, but it is something away from the congregation where the pastor has their own space mm -hmm. to be human. Sometimes when I talk to a pastor in therapy, I'll characterize the space as being you, you have, this is your space. And in this space, if you choose not to be holy in this space because of things you have to process, this is your space to hmm. be fully human and to say those things that are in your mind, your heart to process them. And if you, and so that's from a professional perspective, you know, paying for the pastor, but even for the pastor to get self care, but then even beyond that, before we get there, just having a group or individuals that you can connect with, again, that's away from that church or that denomination where that pastor can experience their humanity in talking with that person or that group. That's the first step. Yeah, that's that's really key. That's one of the things that at Agora we really um, do support at when we look at how do we get churches to consider supporting their pastors, putting basically putting their money where their mouth is, right? Mm -hmm. um, putting a line item in there and say the pastor will we'll help pay for the pastor's um, self-care, you know, even include sabbaticals at some point in the history of their time together, um, mm -hmm. being able to get counseling when they need counseling. When it comes to the leadership, okay, you have a group of elders or board, whatever you want to call it. How do they come around a pastor who they know is struggling? And maybe they know the people in the church might be thinking, oh, I thought he was a Christian, a strong man of faith or a woman of faith. What are your thoughts on, on what leadership, what does the leadership around the pastor need to be doing in that regard? You know, I think the leadership can be very helpful in debunking narratives of the perfect pastor mm -hmm. or debunking the myth. I was just on a call, a community call this past Wednesday. And one of the things, and I mentioned this in the class we were in, um, leadership can help debunk the narrative that faith and mental well-being are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. And so people generally believe that high faith means you won't have mental problems. Or if you have mental problems, mental and emotional problems, that means you have low faith. And so it's like this seesaw effect. If you're high on one, you're low on the other. Right. So it's, a, it's about changing not, language too, right? Yeah changing language and i'm so glad you raised that question because there are some things the pastor cannot say for herself or himself they need others to put forth those particular truths especially when you're talking about a pastor needing a sabbatical or a pastor needing funds for self-help how many times in my own experience or have i heard pastors say um, their congregants will say, well, you know what? My job doesn't pay for that for me, so why do you need it? <laughs> I've never gotten a sabbatical, you know, and I've been at the post office for 30 years, or I've been in construction for 30 years. Why do you need a sabbatical? And so a leadership team 
There are so many narratives that are flowing around that church that are unhealthy, that contribute to poor mental and emotional health. The leadership team can really be helpful in, in, in helping to disturb that narrative, to destabilize it, and it's going to benefit the entire church. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, we are so tracking with each other in terms of what Agora Ministries is really trying to do in helping churches address not only the general stigma in the church, but in how we support pastors, how they can support pastors. It is a new narrative. Uh, some of our conversation with people are even, you know, people on boards and leadership pastors themselves saying, well, I'd feel guilty because a lot of people could use a break. And I, you know, uh, and the, there's that piece of them. Uh, maybe sometime, maybe in this conversation or one in the future, we'll talk about what is piece of what piece of them do they bring to the table as a pastor that might be unhealthy. But I, I wondered if you could just share with us a little bit of what are the, some of the traumas that pastors are facing in churches uh, that people in the pew or maybe even the pastor themselves um, are facing, but they don't realize it. If I could relate it to this current environment, mm-hmm. um, I think we are seeing emotional trauma, psychological trauma, um, you know, in some of the worst case scenarios where you have individuals passing away of a virus that just seemed to have come out of this, you know, come out of left field. And when your whole life, or the way you have understood the world has been turned upside down since March or since February. And there is arguably no end in sight. I mean, even if we got a vaccine sometime next year, there is a lot of living we have to do between now and the first quarter of next year. And what I am finding is that Um, and again, this comes with the missed diagnosis, more and more clergy persons are experiencing this sense of numbness, a sense of exhaustion that they can't place their finger on. And this is only magnified. um, You know, I have a couple of colleagues in Chicago where they have had to funeralize Um, individuals in their congregation who have passed away. And remember, even now, this COVID in some ways is causing us to suffer alone. Mm -hmm. So even in more normal times when you are able to connect with people physically, touch people physically, hug people, embrace people, all of these things that have helped us in the past cope with loss we are having to cope with them now without these sort of traditional aids. Right. And I think this is causing pastors a lot of consternation and some degree of emotional and psychological trauma. Wow. I can see that. And it depends on the pastor too and how they, their own personal emotional health and well-being or rhythms, uh, their own, um, personal identity, uh, where it, it's you're at. at. You at, you're absolutely correct. One of the first things we do in any assessment is we get a full history of a person. Mm-hmm. So that's in a clinical setting, but the point you're making is, is excellent. 
what are you bringing to the table up to this point? This current problem, this trauma of COVID-19, this pandemic, um, churches being separated now, going on five or six months, it affects people in different ways based on their history and what they have, you know, what they have brought up to this point. And if you have a lot of unresolved issues from your past that in some ways you have used the church to gloss over or you have used your ministry to gloss over. Sometimes we use ministry to repress our pain. Right. Like a, what happens now when the ministry can no longer be used as busyness to suppress your pain, to take your mind off of those unresolved emotional deficits? I think we're seeing a lot of this now. Right. Because they're confronted with it. You can't go anywhere. It's right in front of you. And it's heightening because of the situation that you have no control over. It is. Yes, it is. Exactly. I was just looking at a report a few a few days ago where I think the CDC in the United States, the Centers for Disease Control, is they're seeing data, you know, they're they're getting more data now as it relates to some of the um, just the mental and emotional reports of mental and emotional health ailments, um, diagnoses. I don't know how they break it down, Alan, but I have to believe that includes a lot of caregivers as well. And I say caregivers generally, that includes pastors, social workers, law enforcement, people who are giving care to others. Yeah, think that... about it from this perspective. Let me just throw this in here. Think about it from this perspective. Generally, right or wrong, we, we may not agree with this analogy, but generally when we think about care seekers, we think about someone who is in the boat helping people who have fallen out of the boat back into the boat sure we're in the situation now where everybody is outside of the boat <laughs> true that's very true and people are looking to pastors and other caregivers for answers that i think in many respects pastors and caregivers want to say i am hurting just as badly as you are yeah and there's generally because of what we've talked about earlier with the stigma especially with pastors they're like how honest can i be and and if they haven't got an outlet or they don't have someone else to work with then sure. they they just hold it in they they just kind of keep it in and um i know that it's affecting families as well right because yes. the pastors families and especially if they have children they're all dealing with this too or say uh, a spouse mm -hmm who's suddenly has to work from home the same dynamics are happening in the pastor's home as they are uh in other people's homes from their own congregation and i i've seen where um then the pastor has that uh calling to to be a caregiver and yet they're going is somebody caring for us my family's having a hard time i've never spent this much time with my spouse at one time Exactly. Now, imagine also the cognitive dissonance when you are trying to prepare a sermon. Yes, I thought much about that. And, you know, this is where, you know, I think now in terms of the psychology of religion, you know, what happens to the sermon that was titled 
and I'm, I'm using a platitude here, but we say God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Mm, yeah. The cognitive dissonance now, when you are forced to put pen to paper and think about what do I have to say now? Yeah, it, it creates just a whole different a whole different sermon series, for lack of a better phrase, right? You know, it's, uh, communities who have suffered far greater losses than other communities. Yes. And we know that's an issue. What do you have to say now? Yeah. And is there, a, is there space where pastors are allowed to have a crisis of faith? Mm-hmm. And whether pastors are allowing, you know, uh, if pastors are stuck in the stigma themselves, they're probably also thinking, how can I tell someone I'm having a crisis, an emotional difficulty, a mental struggle, um, possibly as much as, you know, significant depression or things that we've talked about here, PTSD. I can't even allow myself to do that. This is where I have always been an advocate for people like yourself, other pastors, I don't like to use the word older, but pastors like yourself who've been out here for 20, 30, 40 years, you are incredibly needed to come alongside those in ministry right now to provide wisdom and to be that shoulder that pastors who've been in ministry for 10 and 15 years that they can lean on. Mm -hmm. You are incredibly important because you can give them permission to grieve. Correct. And that is, I mean, that is a key ministry of Agora as we continue to reach out to pastors, not just churches, but uh, pastors as well. That's the area that I'm focusing on and why we have this radio show. So um, we're going to be coming towards the end of our conversation here and we'll pick it up again sometime down the road. Uh, I'm just thankful that you've been willing to support uh, what we're trying to do here in any way shape or form uh and i appreciate that very much i guess you know we're coming to the end of our conversation and it's like okay we've been painting a pretty tough picture here but it's a real picture and and we say in the especially the radio show we're not going to mince words we're going to be honest about the situations talk openly and honestly about them name what needs to be named because unless we do People are just going to kind of put it off as information and they can't necessarily connect and relate to it. But we need to make it clear. So we're trying to break through the stigma. So we got to call it what it is. Right. So I'm thinking about this and I'm like, OK, we've addressed these things. We've put them out there. What do you want to say to pastors in terms of their caring for their own well-being and mental wellness? That, that's great. I'm, I'm glad we are ending this with this question. I invite pastors not to shortchange themselves in terms of their grief work, mm. to look at their grief as something that is sacred, as opposed to something to get over quickly. Right. That is Any of us do not like grief. I understand it. Grief and mourning, it makes us, it, it, it puts us in it, it puts us in connection with the things that we have lost it puts us in conversation with whether it was an image of ourselves that we have lost whether it was an actual person we have lost whether it was the way we have understood the world and it's painful 
But on the other side of grief is the, is the opportunity for us to love even deeper than we loved before. It's an opportunity after we have grieved, we should learn how to love deeply, to love in a richer way, love other people, love life, to appreciate life in a deeper way. That's the nugget, and I hope people can see that, but at the same time, not romanticize what they are going through. I don't want to make light of it. Right. But loss helps us to love deeply and in a richer way after we have grieved it. Mm -hmm. And there's so much loss. We don't have time to talk too much about ambiguous loss, but you're already naming it. Things that are, are there, but we can't just, it's, it's not the same. And it is a loss. And so it's yes, good it to, to grieve um, and work through that and be okay. Like, I've got stuff. Um, I've been down my that road myself. Absolutely. My hope is, let's just say after this, when we get to the other side of this, whatever that looks like, post-vaccine, whatever. My hope is that there is not a mad dash to rush back to the way things were. My hope is that in faith communities, there is a richer way of experiencing each other and loving each other. That's fantastic. That's a great way to end. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, um, being with us and sharing your passion. That is so clear and evident. I appreciate you very much. And uh, I hope that- Thank you, Alan. Thank uh, you for the work you're doing. Yeah, you're welcome. I pray that God continues to bless the work as you're trying to figure out how to do seminary in this new way. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, blessings, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. So thankful to have Dr. Dan Jima Gibson with us from Calvin Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You can hear from his voice the passion he has to see people whole again, to see them experience the power of Christ in their life, uh, his love, his grace and find healing from their mental uh, traumas, emotional traumas, struggles in life, that they may be open to what God has for them. Dr. Gibson will be on shows um, uh, later on in the year as uh, we discuss many topics. Anyways, before we finish the show, in a little bit of time we have left, I wanted to, to encourage pastors where they're at to um, be willing to look at yourself in light of what we have just had a conversation about knowing yourself and being honest with yourself and your own struggles, that that is okay. And it's important and it's necessary. I think of one of my favorite verses, Luke 9, 23, where Jesus says, if you are to come after me, you must deny yourself daily and pick up your cross and follow me every day to release ourselves to him, to say, Lord, it's not my will, it's your will. Lord, what is it that you have for me? I will wait and listen for you. It doesn't mean that we're denying our humanity, as we've been hearing from Dr. Gibson. It is actually uh, embracing our humanity. It's not about denying that we have need to rest or that we have our own needs, but that indeed, we must care for ourselves that we might do what Christ needs us to do. So I 
want to encourage you not to be like Martha, who, even though it was important to do get, you know, dinner ready for Jesus and and the disciples that were there, Jesus himself said it wasn't that what well, that wasn't important, Martha, but what was more important is what Mary understood to be in the presence of Jesus. And so sometimes we need to put things down. Sometimes what we need to deny is all the work that we think needs to be done and just rest in the presence of Christ and let the Holy Spirit minister to us. Find healing. Find someone to talk to, whether it's a counselor, a therapist, a spiritual director, whoever. But may you take the time during these days to find rest and peace for your soul in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us on Pastor to Pastor. If you have thoughts and ideas as to what you would like us to have conversations about here, please contact me at Alan, that's A-L-L-E-N, at agoranetworkministries.com. I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week. <music>